Have you thought this through? No way will that work. Are you sure? Is there any money in that? You'll never make any money doing that. How are you going to pay the mortgage? Just get a job. You're going to try to tell that? Why can't you be normal like anybody else? Oh, boy. Well, your parents want to. The savvy entrepreneur to the rescue. Hello out there, all you entrepreneurs. This is the Savvy Entrepreneur Show, and we are broadcasting on WLCB 101.5 FM. I'm your host, Doris Nagel. I'm a crazy entrepreneur myself, and every week we feature different guests, people who are entrepreneurs and have started their own business, some of them new entrepreneurs, some of them have been in business a long time. And we also have people who provide resources for entrepreneurs. The goal is to not only inspire other entrepreneurs and share helpful information and resources, but to make your journey along the way maybe a little faster, maybe a little easier, and hopefully just a little bit more fun. I always welcome your comments, questions, and suggestions. You can email me anytime at thenagel, N-A-G-E-L, at lakes, plural, lakesradio.org. The show definitely will be better for your input. I'd love to hear from you. Now, without further ado, I promised you a guest, and we do have a great guest with us today. His name is Jeff Hodges. He's a gifted teacher, a mentor, and an entrepreneur. He hails from the city of Chicago. He says that the youth that he works with calls him Mr. Jeff. He is a true community advocate, as well as a self-described conduit of change. He's worked with his family over the years to help organize something called the Imani Community Development Corporation, and we'll hear more about that shortly. In short, though, its mission is to improve the lives of South Shore, South Chicago community residents through all sorts of programs, out-of-school time programming, food distribution, and other services. He also has founded something called the Oakside Investment Group, which specializes in real estate investing, a foundation that he calls the One Sound Foundation, as well as something called the Accord Community Initiative. I look forward to hearing about all of these today. He has extensive experience as a music director, producing music for various projects, and he's a passionate musician whose first love is the drums. So with that introduction, Jeff, welcome to The Savvy Entrepreneur. Thanks so much for being with us today. Oh, thank you for having me, Doris. It's great to connect with you. I was so excited. Yeah, me too. I was especially excited to hear that you're a fellow musician. I'm not a drummer, although I did play drums in high school band because uh, I was an oboist and oboe players cannot march because we probably put our, well, you know, that double read, especially as klutzy as I am, I probably would have impaled myself. But I am a musician, so I was excited to meet a fellow musician. How did you come by your musical talents, and how did you first discover you had these passions? Oh, it's really, uh, it was really cool. Uh, I grew up in church, 
the thing about uh, church, I don't know how it is in other cultures, but definitely in the black church, we have uh, drums, organ, pace, keyboards. And it's like every Sunday is like being at, uh, at a concert. So you hear so many things growing up. And so I was more interested growing up. I was more interested in the music than anything else. I mean, the pastor's sermons was cool, inspiring, but like I love the music. The biggest thing that kept I'm me since you. I was a kid. Totally. Yeah. And so I used to love, I would sit there, I would just listen to the music and that, that kept me from falling asleep. And then eventually I got into the inspirational part. I really enjoyed that part and God became part of my life. But before then I loved music. And so from there, I saw how much the music, the music really controlled the situation and controlled the crowd and control how people move. And just generally, I really was obsessed how the drummer, when he made, made and when he makes uh the rhythms you can literally feel it in the church where people get up and clap and didn't take that for granted and that's something that i think uh we did take that for granted we do but like i just thought that was amazing that he can just create a sound and that makes people stand up and move and so i wanted to be a part of that and so from there i would just pay attention and then i would go over there for the for the rehearsals and i would just sit there and learn from different musicians on how to do it and eventually one day the drummer didn't show up. I got on and then I just kept playing from there and kept getting better. And it it became a, a, a breeding ground. That's the thing about the church. It's a breeding ground for musicians. And like any any aspect of music, be it hip hop, R&B, classical, a lot of times you ask the musician where you come from, a lot of them came from the church because it's the one place where you can go every single week and you can just work on your craft. And it's like a, it's like a, a, a small pressure, small pressure to, to performing because you got to bring it and you want the people to react, but you want to do it in the right way. So growing up in that environment really uh, pushed me and it gave me a confidence. And so that's one thing I do try to tell people. I tell kids when I teach them and people in general, uh, I think everyone should at least learn one instrument at least one time in their life because it'll give you a confidence that you can walk in any room and uh, that you can do something that most people in that room can't do. A lot of people can't just walk in any room, any place and play a piano. A lot of people can't walk and jump on a drum set or play an instrument and make it sound good. That's, it gives you a skill that can't nobody take away from you. I mean, yeah. most jobs, it's very interesting. Music is very interesting when I look at it. Um, yeah. Athletes, is like you can be really great at basketball, but when you turn a certain age, you can't dunk anymore because you can't jump. But like Paul McCartney, as old he is, you put a piano from him, he's gonna rock the house. And so you I always betcha. tell people, you yeah, betcha. I always tell people, girl, learn your instrument, it'll give you confidence, and um, that's what I did, and I thank God I did get that done. It'll give you a lifetime of joy, is what I tell yes. people. It it really does. Something that you can share with other people too, which is really fun. You mentioned in your bio that you're a teacher. Do you teach mm-hmm. music or what do you teach? Right now, I worked with uh, Chicago Public Library for about it was about, about seven years. I worked with them as a mentor teacher. And what I did there, I started off teaching kids. I got an actually interesting story about that, but uh, which is part of my whole who I am. But like I started uh, teaching kids just digital music because I felt it was a need in the community. A lot of kids didn't have nothing to do. I was I remember I used to work at the library as a, a person's like you know putting away the books and I would see kids just just, just kind of just sitting there and not having nothing to do and and I decided to you know start a, a that's where One Sound Foundation came from by the way but like we can talk about that later if you want to but I just started teaching kids digital music from my computer 
I would teach kids, you know, how to make music and hip hop, and because that was really big. And from there, I got hired by the library to actually teach kids. It was actually through um, DePaul University to teach kids, mentor kids on um, just making music. And then from there, it became bigger than that because my background went through our Morris for computer science. And then I would teach kids through that program, coding and game design. And I would do all that in one, you know, sometimes in one setting. And then I started working at UMedia. Wow. Is, that's, uh, I'm just going to stop you just really quick and just comment. Cool. That that's really cool. Mm-hmm. And I'm so glad you're doing that. You know, it's just interesting to me when I read about employers and you talk to them and they say, well, you know, I can't find the people I need. And so many of them are looking for young people, especially with really good digital skills, people who mm-hmm. know how to code, people who are comfortable using digital equipment and programs. And yet, you know, it's funny, kids go to college, but a lot of them don't learn that stuff. Yeah. You know? So it's like there's this major mismatch between what a lot of employers need and are looking for and the avenues for people to get those skills, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, the thing the thing is, it's so funny. So I, I work in a nonprofit, which in like in the swan, because I, I learned how to do like um, – a lot of curriculums I learned how to uh, through DePaul University. Um, I want to shout out Professor Nicole Pickard. She's really amazing. But um, I learned how to do a lot. So I, I, I worked around the education, um, educational sector. And one thing I realized at some point, I think they're going through change the way they do education as far as like they just they have to change up the curriculums now to do different things that you have to put in digital learning in the midst of whatever you're trying to pursue, whatever it is, if you're trying to be a psychologist, I think they're going to make it where you have to take coding class and sat there because you never know. You may have to work through a app to get to the people you have to connect with. So I always say they have to change that. Even with me, I'm learning about uh, real estate, but like, it'd be great if kids knew how to acquire a mortgage freshman year of college. That's, that would be a great class to teach. And it's like, wow, I remember I was working with one of the kids and he wanted to do, cause he's, again, that's part of the conversation. He wanted to do real estate. He saw me doing it. And we was trying to find, do they have real estate courses in college? Nope. There's not a lot of college that offer those type of things. There's life right. skills that actually do a right. amount. Not to mention entrepreneur, like your, your show and of itself, those things are not available to a lot of kids through traditional curriculum. So they probably have to eventually change that. I think so. Yeah. Well, um, you mentioned One Sound Foundation, so I guess probably actually a good time to talk about it. What exactly is One Sound Foundation and what does it do? What's its mission? So it happened actually organically. I was working at the library and um, I, that's when I, I was, having, was having a meeting. I'm going a little more into the story a little bit. We had a meeting at the library. And they were saying, how do we get these kids, you know, working? They would come to the library and do mischief and just do crazy things. <laughs> and uh, I was like, well, maybe um, we can do some sort of music program. And um, they was like, wow, you think you could do that? Yeah. Because the thing is with me is that I don't really tell people all the different things I do. Like, I just, I'm not that guy. I just kind of do what I'm there to do. And so I had a, a laptop computer and I brought the computer into like the auditorium. I got kids and a couple kids were there. I just kind of, they knew me already from working there. So I got them in the room. And then from there, it's kind of blossomed to more kids coming in. And I was just teaching kids just how to make beats. That's the word they said, how to make beats. And then after that night, it was so successful 
I was sitting down. I said, I have to have something to call this. This has to be a thing because I, I just saw it right there. It just hit me. It was my moment that, you know, a lot of kids need this. So uh, one sound foundation kind of hit me. It was actually, it was like a, it was like a Bible script or something I was talking about that, you know, uh, it's a story that they was about to, uh, they, they needed to take the city and they all made it one sound on a trumpet and that's how they won the war. It's crazy. But the thing uh-huh. is, the idea was that if we all work together with one sound, we can get a lot of things done and unify. And of course, sound is a music connotation. So I think we all come together, whatever um, skin color, whatever race, and we all make one voice to get this done. We get this done. So that's how I did that. That's why I've been working. So I started that, like, you know, that night and I was trying to work on getting the emails, see everything together. And from there, it's all kind of, you know how life kind of happens where it was so successful. People started coming with offers to come do this here, work here. I wasn't able to even connect it. So the first thing I did was start my email, which is hence my email, One Sound Foundation. And then from there, it was just a lot going on. And so, but yeah, that's how One Sound Foundation started. So. Well, so it's a foundation though, which means you're raising money and trying to, I mean, you must be trying to figure out how to scale this because you're one one human being (laughs) I mean the need is so huge Mm -hmm. and even if you work 24 hours a day you couldn't possibly reach all the people that probably would be interested and benefit from this yeah and so and that's why it kind of hit me to work with my uh, my family organization, Imani Community Development, because my uh, sister and my dad started it, but uh, my sister actually went to school for now for profit. So while she was doing that, I was working with the uh, with library, with Umedia, which is a non for profit. So I was learning a lot. It was coming together. In the midst of doing that, I was just kind of um, messing around with one sound, but I decided to, uh, that's why I made me want to partner up with the uh, Imani community development because we was able to get more done with that together than to just do mines. And so now we're in talks right now to see how can we combine the two to get more things done. Uh-huh. That's, one, that's one thing about non-for-profits. A lot of times we have different ideas and uh, I have my own because uh, my, my parents, they, um, they kind of taught me to whatever you do, you got to make it towards the community. It has to be something that you can give back. If you're not able to give back, you're not doing so. That's where One Sound came from. But so I was able to, I saw them doing the work. So I was like, let me connect with you guys. And then eventually we can do that together. So, but One Sound now is really, it's turned to my brand now. And so I'm trying to turn that closer to uh, the full foundation. But the biggest thing now is really working with Imani. And um, as we work together, we should be able to turn that into One Sound as a family. So that's my goal. That's One Sound is my baby from, from the very beginning. Uh, I got big goals for One Sound Foundation. But right now I'm working with Imani Community Development as One Sound is the brand, though. Well, all right. So I definitely want to talk about the Imani Community Development Corporation. But before we go on to that, you said something I'd really like to hear more about, which is mm-hmm. that you have big goals for One Sound Foundation. Talk yeah. about that a little Okay, so the thing about it is that's missed from music, right? Um, because my background is huge in music. And I realized, like I said, start of the show, that I really feel that a lot of kids, teens, adults too, is, yeah. Well, I was just going to say, do you think I could pass for a kid and be in one of your Yes, class? you can. Like yes, you can. You <laughs> definitely can. Doris, you can. You are more than welcome. Because the thing is, I realized that... Um, 
I don't know what happened, but somewhere in the, the I don't know the last couple of decades that we've kind of lost as a country or as a world. I don't know as we we lost our passion for learning music and because it's, it's it's not really as popular as what well. they're, they're cutting art programs left and right. And we need that. We really do need that, which is, again, that's, again, we're going to another subject, which is why I'm working to uh, Oakside Investment, doing that type of stuff so I can create funding to myself personally, so I can be able to create these opportunities for people in the community to be able to come in and learn how to create music, learn how to play music. Just give them confidence. That's another part of the confidence uh, building in, our, in the community. Just from that, because the thing is, I believe, this is my thing, I feel everybody has something to give back to whatever their situation is, their corner, their community. It doesn't have to be, you don't have to be Martha King, but one thing you can do, you can give back what you do have. So I know I have a gift of music. That's one of my gifts I do have. So I'm determined to give that back, to teach people so they can have confidence to be able to um, just take on life. And it's simple as sometimes right now, like right now we in COVID, people just simply just need to know they can, the C-A-N, I can. And when you can learn a song, it gives you this confidence that you can fill out a mortgage application because I learned this song. That actually helps me as a musician. You can't tell me that I learned to cut that, but 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 I can do that on the drums. I learned that. If I can learn that, I definitely can take on a meeting. So you know what, what, what I always am amazed about with music is it it's so healing. In yes. so many ways. I mean, it it speaks to us at a level that's beyond words. So my passion is is in a different direction. I actually play cello with the Waukegan Symphony wow. Orchestra. Yeah. And, you know, what I love about it is the fact that it doesn't matter what color your skin is. True. It doesn't matter if you're 75 or 20 or 15. And, you know, people, I'm sure, have different views about all sorts of things, politics and whatever. But, you know, it's funny, that never comes up. I mean, what people yeah. love is sharing music and creating something that's bigger than any one of us, you know? It's, and I think it's, that's true of really of all kinds of music. True. And I, I mean, I have, I have tons of stories, but I have great stories of people coming around from different countries where like I can play a beat and, and they add a chord to it. They know a major scale <laughs> to the chord. We don't know each other's language, but we both know that if you play this C chord, we're going to get that. Get the bent. He can play with me. And we are both unified in the language of music. That is one most powerful. This is another reason why I do really endorse people to learn an instrument because it connects you with people that you would never knew you would connect with. And that's the that's the beauty. There's been people that um, I did not agree with, but instrument together, we became souls, one soul, which actually after we got the instrument, we was able to make things work better in our own relationships in life. And so. I'm telling you, I was, I'm a really big advocate. I don't care what age you are. Pick up an instrument. This is a great time. Um, a lot of people are in quarantine. Pick up an instrument, learn it, or play around with it. I'm telling you, it's the one of the most coolest things. It, 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 it opens up your horizons. You're preaching to the choir, as they say. But, <laughs> uh, you know, you said that that you've got big plans for One Sound Foundation. Mm-hmm. So take us out five years from now. What does One Sound Foundation look like Right now, uh, it's all about teaching. So eventually, I want to be able to get back on the road, and um, I want to teach as many people as possible. I already have um, set up 
um, among personal seminar for kids. It's not, it's like, it's really a hands-on. That's how I got started from the very beginning. I was going from library to library, then I went from schools to school. And then um, when I started working at the library, I was just at one place. And so the kids would come there and work with me. But now I really want to get back on the road. Now, five years from now, I would like to have a brick and mortar where kids can come and people can actually get lessons for free for different instruments. On top of that, I would like to have, of course, we'd like to have a space where kids can actually record their voice studio space where not only they can record music, but they can record themselves doing poetry. They actually can document themselves writing poems, just the arts. Um, I just don't want us to lose those arts. And so maybe that'll work out in five years, uh, brick and mortar place. But more than anything, I feel that I can definitely continue to go out um, teach people and um, recruit other teachers so we have a network of people that we can go out at least once a week to different places where we can um, just connect with kids and teach them. It's really about inspiring people off the jump. I'm a really big advocate of meeting you the first time, making a great impression, whereas you may not, maybe you meet me one time where I can just show you how to, your first chord or something on the piano, or I can just show you how to make a song for the first time and you never see me again, but you never forget that moment well, you become a musician from that, and that gives you confidence. So that's one big, big thing I'm going to be pushing for, for hopefully in the next five years, we have that network up and ready to go. Fantastic. Well, so you've alluded to kind of the centerpiece of the nonprofit and community involvement work that you're involved in, and that's the Imani Community Development Corporation. Talk a little bit about this organization. How did it get started? What's its mission? <laughs> so, um, my community development was uh, started by my father, which is Jeffrey Hodges. Um, we have different middle names, so he's not senior and junior, but people pretty much call him senior. But he started that for disclosure. He's a pastor. He really wanted to help the community. And so what he decided to do was uh, he was, was doing food giveaways generally. From there, we decided to do a, a mentoring program, and it kind of just ballooned from there. And that's what we've been doing ever since. So we started with food giveaways, mentoring program. We've also uh, acquired properties, and uh, we was able to get people in those properties in the community. Is that for homes, for residential, or for small businesses in the community? Homes, for homes, for homes, residential. Ah. And he was a big producer of that. And um, my sister, because he wasn't able to do get everything done, he's 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 a little older now. My sister took on a lot of that as the vice president. I'm right next to her. We worked together, really putting things together in the beginning. I wasn't able to do everything I wanted to do because I was doing some things with uh again with One Sound and the Chicago Public Library. But now we back back on um back on network together. Me and her really working together, getting that done. I was there from the beginning, so we're getting a lot of that done. So basically, we're doing a lot of food. We started with food distribution, and we went into mentoring. We mentor young men every Wednesday. Uh, right now, we're doing a lot of Zoom calls. Hopefully, we'll be able to do that in person. And also, we partner with after-school programs, uh, with CPS, a safe haven program with kids come after school to do work. But right now, again, uh, due to COVID, it's a little bit difficult. But right now, we actually um, partner with CPS to do some in-school, where they can do their in-school Supervise remote learning at um, actually at the church building. So they come in do their remote learning because a lot of times kids don't have computers, they don't have Wi-Fi. So we have good Wi-Fi there, and we're gonna to try to give them a safe space. They can wear their mask, social distance, and do their remote learning there. Basically, our mission is just to help the community for. And watching my father do that growing up, it just inspired me to do that. And um, that's just a piece of what we're doing. 
Well, I love the name. I actually had to look it up. I should probably have known that, but Imani is Arabic for faith. Yep. I, I thought that was a wonderful name. Yeah, and and, and and let me tell you, it takes faith to keep going when you're doing this type of work because um it can be difficult some days, but like yeah, that's what it's about. It's about a faith community just coming together and just helping um the people right in front of you every day you see. We need to take a quick break, Jeff, for mm-hmm. station identification and a word from a few of our sponsors. Folks, stay with us. We'll be right back with our guest Jeff Hodges who is a community activist and a passionate musician and an entrepreneur. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. This is Doris Nagel, and you're listening to the Savvy Entrepreneur Show. Our guest this week is Jeff Hodges. He's a serial entrepreneur and a community advocate in the Chicago area. So, Jeff, before the break, we were talking about the Imani Community Development Corporation, and you were starting to talk about some of the services. I know you mentioned food delivery, which obviously, especially now with COVID going on, is it's always been important. There's way too many hungry people, but, you know, this this whole situation has made it worse. But you do lots of other things, too. I, I think I saw on your Facebook page you're involved with senior centers, too, right? So what well, we do a lot of food giveaways, especially with the senior citizens, senior centers. Um, what well, we, we partner with, with uh, Captain Hard Times, which is a really great uh, restaurant on the south side of Chicago on 79th and about King Drive. Well, we, we partner with them where they, uh, where they make meals. And we able to get those meals to those seniors in different areas of, of the city. And they're a great restaurant because we don't we don't have like a you know restaurant workers, but Captain Hard Times have been amazing working with us with that. We actually feed two hundred families a month uh with wow. our food. We we partner with different different people. We actually uh we partner with uh um Trader Joe's, Trader Joe's. We have a, a couple of Trader Joe's that we partner up with them so we get some food they give us food we have to give it to the community the very next day some fresh food we really want to give people not just you know chips and cakes we want to give the community fresh food that's free healthy food healthy food that's what it comes down to so my father is very passionate about that so we try to make that work every tuesday we do that and we feed up to 200 families a month with that um we do the weekly mentoring um, again, that program has been amazing. We've we've changed so many young men's lives and just simply coming down to recruiting mentors to come and talk to the kids. I got a couple of mentors I can name by name. Name is Ray John Strong. He's been amazing. Mark Brand, he's been amazing. We've been doing some really great work. PPP giveaways. We've been doing PPP giveaways for this whole COVID for the last four months. So we actually have uh, masks and things that we, we've gotten over over time, and we've given those masks away to different actual uh, medical centers on the south side needed PPP. So we was able yeah. to get them that PPP. Yeah. Uh, shout out to Dunn Hodges, my sister. She got a lot of that done. She is amazing. She's the smartest woman I know, and I love her for it. Uh, again, <laughs> we do CETA assisting uh, people with their light and gas bills and water bills. Uh, CETA is partnering up with us where we actually help people to fill out the application so they can get help with their bills right now. Um, just simply just helping people just to get better every day. And that's all we're doing. And we're doing, it seems like we do a lot. It seems like it, but it's really, it's really just easy for us because um, we're just working together and um, I, it's a great team. Uh, shout out to my sister. I just got a, she's this amazing woman. Talk 
about some of the biggest challenges you faced. It sounds like one of them is, is that there's such a huge need and not enough people out there serving those needs. Yes, definitely. Um, that's where the challenge is really about burnout. Me and my sister, we had a conversation about this, is that self-care is very important because in order to be good at or even to do nonprofit work or to be able to help the community, you must have a, a cup of empathy. Like if you were to make a baker cake, you're going to need a big cup of empathy because you need to connect with people. <laughs> you need to connect how how people feel. And when you are good at that, you connect on the negative feelings too. Take for instance, we do see the assisting. When you walk in a room, you can feel that somebody's trying to work out how to get their bills paid because right now it's really hard. A lot of like we have how many people, millions of people lost their jobs. We really feel it and definitely in the black community we feel it. And so you can feel their stress in the moment. When you can feel someone's stress off the, if you're doing your job right, you do feel what they're going through, it affects you. So it's not easy to go home and get a good night, good night, good night rest when you do this type of work. Even me working with kids, um, being a mentor, we, I deal with so many kids who are going through so much, Doris. You'd be surprised yeah. how many, uh-huh. how many teens throughout this this city, Chicago, just having so many issues in their family or just mentally. And I work with them. I deal with them. I help them to do better. And uh, we work together. But when I go home at night, sometimes some of those worries jump on me because you're just trying to do your job, but you just can't help but to think how that kid's doing when you're going, while I'm going to sleep in my nice bed, how is that kid doing when he's dealing with his situation? And I see them next day. I'm happy to see them. But like, those are the different things you have to deal with doing nonprofit. So you have to be able to do self-care, that means working out, meditation, pray, whatever you have to do, you have to do those things to clear your mind, to be able to go out the next day to help the community. But that's probably the biggest thing in doing this work one-on-one that you have to connect with those emotions. And that can be, you know, kind of um, a little bit of a burden, um, but it's, yeah. it's, it's still, it's for the community though. I'm sure you've got stories that would just break your heart. Yeah, um, definitely. So you've mentioned tapping into emotions and being able to relate. And it, I think it, one of the things people think about nonprofits and they don't think about, even you, when we were talking before the show, were thinking, well, nonprofits, not really entrepreneurship. But I would mm-hmm. argue it really is because you need all of the same skills that you need to run or start a startup business. That's what, you know, building a nonprofit is. It's just, it's a startup. And maybe it doesn't make a profit but it's a (laughs) sense it's a business because it needs money and it needs to connect with people not just the the people you serve but you've mentioned lots of relationships that you've had to build talk a little bit about some of those kind of skills that you need to to be able to make all those pieces fit together (laughs) and hum along Yes, the team, the key word for any nonprofit, any business, entrepreneurs, anything is partnerships. It's all about connecting with people who have the same P word, passion that you have. It's all about finding those people. Um, a lot of times you don't have to uh, reinvent the wheel. If you have a passion for something and you want to create something through that passion, look it up. See 
look up we got google you can google and see what type of different people are doing that and you guys connect with those people that's something i can tell people but we we partner with different people um we've partnered with the university of chicago COVID relief grants which helped us to get the ppp to give out to different people my sister is actually a, a chicago peace fellow I'm part of the Chicago Peace Fellow Networks, which is a group of not-for-profit executives who come together and they just want to help change things in Chicago. They do different events together and my sister was able to connect with them. When it comes down, we make connections with the uh, city of Chicago community policing um, justice initiative where we teach kids um, how to interact with the police, which is very important now. Um, Ooh, yeah. Yes, we've been dealing with that uh, or just generally connecting with community policing but it does come down to uh, connecting with people, which um, that's another thing I've been working on. The initiative that I'm working on is that I'm trying to connect entrepreneurs or just people in general. We made a, a partnership where uh, I, I have, uh, her name is Viva. She's one of my partners, my brother too. Um, we're partners where she's very passionate about, um, she, she was driving around. She saw all these schools been closed down the last two years and she really wants to turn those schools into community hubs for the community and we're going to need some money for that so she wants to put together we're working on some some real estate investment initiatives to actually uh, invest in our community through that but like the biggest thing is it comes to creating partnerships with people everyday people you never know how the next person down the street can help you and it comes down to you just simply saying hi and you never know what type of relationships you can create that's probably my biggest reward in doing this is connecting with people to, to create partnerships, life partnerships, business partnerships, and creating a great team. It comes down to teamwork. Well, you certainly must be good at it because One Sound Foundation and the Imani Development Corporation are only two of the organizations that you've been instrumental in either founding or helping grow. Another one is something that's called the Oakside Investment Group. Yes. Talk, talk, talk a little bit about that. How did that come about? What what does it do? So it all connects together because again, my biggest why, the reason I do what I do is to I really I, I do really need to change community, um, but it really comes down to change individuals one by one. And I, I, I look around, I was doing a job uh I worked for the Chicago Library as a mentor. But the thing is being working in non for profits, even with community money, that um we run into problems with funding. You I don't know if it's a, a, a U.S. thing, American thing, or it's a world thing. We don't quantify like teachers and mentors. We don't really put money under that or initiatives to help things better out in the community. I always feel like if the city of Chicago were to create an initiative, a mentoring initiative, and not necessarily volunteering, we can pay people to be mentors in the community. I think that would clearly changed so many things, but we don't put quantity behind that. If we have people to do accounting, we'll pay for accounting, but we want to pay for accounting to go talk to kids about accounting work. That's, to me, I think that's different. So what I did was I created Oakside Investment. It's a company me and my brother created that actually is a for-profit real estate investment group that we created where we've actually buy properties and we actually get people in those properties and we actually flip properties to make money. So I'm trying to rebuild an air nest egg so we be able to fund these different things in the community because in the day, a lot of times these programs in the communities are funded by people who are not necessarily a part of the community. I'm not, I'm not knocking them. They're doing a great job, but like they're not part of the community. They're not, they're not even mostly part of the situation. They don't really partner with these communities to get stuff done. I am working hard 
to become, I don't know, a venture capitalist. Eventually, I'm going, I'm doing all these things so I can be able to be a person who partners with these different organizations to help them financially because people need help. And that's probably one another challenge that is to work with um, in nonprofits is simply sustainability. And a lot of times you look, work with foundations that want a lot of data, which is really great. But I'm looking at kids, I know what works and we see what works. I want to help these places. You know? So I learned that you have to know to do what you love. You have to make the money on the side to get to where you got to go. And um, mm-hmm. that's that what pushes me to do what I have to do business-wise. So I have different business ventures in that way. So I'm able to help to fund the cool art stuff on the side so I can help the community. That's what it comes down to for me. And me personally, I, I don't even have to have lunch. I don't have to eat that day. As long as I'm able to pay for the things going down with the other community, with organizations we got, we get that done. So that's why wow. I do what I do. So wow. that's, that, that's how Oaks I came from. Now I see why you call yourself a conduit of change because that's really what you are. All right, so there's one more initiative. There's probably more that you didn't even tell me about in your bio, but you have recently put together something, the Accord Community Initiative. What's that about? Okay, so here's the thing about that. It's so funny. Um, I'm a baby entrepreneur in that. Now when I just started literally like a month ago, we all got together, uh, me and another couple of entrepreneurs, which I hopefully I can connect you with them. We had a good conversation that we was just trying to create some income for the situations that's going on in the community. And what we did was we basically was talking about how we was driving around South South Chicago and we was seeing it's a lot of like boarded up houses that just need to be redone just to feel better. And so we're working on getting some grants and stuff to get that done through that. Also, like I said earlier, she's she's very passionate about changing some of these South Side schools that's been closed and turn them to community hubs. And again, it goes back down to you have to fundraise to be able to get those things done. Hopefully, mm-hmm. um, that's why another three I'm, I'm on the show. If anybody can help help me out with that, uh, that'd be great. But again, that's I'm I'm open book. Um, I'm learning on how to do this on that level. I have the why, I have the passion, but it comes down to doing the work. And so each day I work with the partners. That's more of a, a strong partnership where I have people that kind of somewhat know what they're doing with that. That we're going to eventually um, get that done. We actually start the LLC. Again, a month ago, we got that done. And for right now, we're looking for properties that we're able to get some families in. And also from there, uh, hopefully we'll be able to get some money so we can turn those schools into some community spots because these kids need it. Even now in COVID, um, if we can wear masks and we can social distance, I think we can be able to bring people together to get some really good stuff done. We got to take that day by day. And um, that's what we're working with, with that initiative. So uh, we're babies on that. We're just baby steps on that. But like, again, it goes back to my why. We have to move forward and help each individual one by one. And that's one thing. That's one thing I say every day to myself when I work in the morning. If I can just reach one person to do better, we're going to get this done. And um, that's probably my biggest step in all this. Like, that's what I'm doing. I am so inspired, Jeff. You know, I, <laughs> I, I, I so applaud what you're doing. I'm so privileged to be able to. You know, to well, have Doris, your time to chat with you. It's just, it's, but Doris, you're part of the community too. 
I gotta say this. I gotta say this. you are inspiring entrepreneurs. You inspire me. I studied your work, Doris. If you were watching the show for the first time, go through all the podcasts. Doris is doing amazing work in the community, and I really appreciate her for the work she's doing. And she's doing exactly what I was thinking. If any, if each person would just do what they it comes to them easily, we'll have such a better world. And Doris, if we had a thousand Doris's, this world would be so much more better. <laughs> you are you are too kind, but I thank you. You know, it it occurs to me, Jeff, you've spent a lot of time in and around nonprofits and community organizations, either ones you've personally been involved with or in trying to partner with different ones. Looking at all of those, what makes community organizations and nonprofits most successful and where do some of them fall short, do you think? Mm, you're great. Uh, this is a great question. Um, it comes down to passion, like passion on both ends. And passion is something that's lit, but it has to stay lit. And organizations who have a way to keep the passion lit throughout the years are successful. Because I think 70% of people, when they start off, they're passionate. But when you start, even entrepreneur, not just non-for-profits, when you're doing profit work, it comes to times where it's dark days and only thing that's going to keep you keep you going is the why or why are you here and organizations who's able to keep their mission the fire lit from the executives all the way down to like who's ever volunteering those are very great organizations and that comes down to empowering the humans who work inside your organization and again the um, inverse or reverse is the fact that when some when organization is just really passionate that first year and they realize how hard it is to actually get everybody on board. They're not really good at keeping everybody smiling or keeping everybody moving. Those organizations usually are the ones that fall apart because it does. It is a gift that I see people that they have that they're able to stay excited as they do the work. And I think the most important thing is that when you see the individual that you are touching, don't not take that for granted. And I think that's the biggest thing. Let's say you're doing a food giveaway or you're teaching kids, pay attention to the, the kids you're teaching and the person you're giving the food to. Look at the smile and let that smile resonate inside your heart. Then you keep it moving. I think a lot of time organizations, they just kind of do the work and walk away that's when you're going to lose, when you're looking for the profit. And this again, it's inside the name. It's not for profit. If you were able to just give it and just really keep that passion, those are great organizations. And, you know, I think it's hard as organizations evolve and grow. I've worked with a couple that I think were maybe victims of their own success because mm. as they grow, you need to maybe up the professionalism. you got to keep more books and records or you got to hire a professional fundraiser or whatever. And it gets hard as the organization grows and starts to scale to be able to keep the same excitement about the mission and yet still change and evolve and grow. It's, it's, It's not easy, I think. Yeah, I agree. I, I think, again, it comes down to keeping the passion because as you grow, everything you do is for what you're doing it for. So if you're doing it for your community or for whoever you're trying to touch, if it's kids, you will organize better because you want to stay stay relevant for them children or for those you know senior citizens, whoever you're trying to touch. 
you're going to do better. The thing that makes you do better is when you're looking at the people you're doing. So I think that's the biggest thing. That's how you keep your passion. I think that's why you want to make sure your data is right. That's why you want to make sure your Facebook looking good, your website looking great, because it's all about the people you're touching. So I agree with you. You know, we're almost out of time, but I'm curious about the kind of people that you look for beyond passion. What are the kind of people that you think are most successful as nonprofit entrepreneurs? And Hmm. which kinds of people or which traits are probably maybe not the best fits? The thing is, when it comes down to to people who are doing the work, uh, it's all about finding out what is their individual why. Because the thing is, we all have different reasons we come to the table of whatever we're doing. So I have to see what is your why first. Because that that question, it's hard for me to to say this is how it works for everybody, but everybody has a specific why. If I can tap into the why you're doing what you're doing, then you're going to be successful. So a lot of times people just want to make a change because they just don't like how they feel. So that's the next question is, what don't you like about what you feel? Well, I don't like the way the community just looks. Okay, now we have something we can talk about. We can talk about cleaning your community and we can go from there. It's all about going to their why and trying to see what that's all about. You know, it's funny. That's something I would like to talk about is just getting people to mentor more and just, just talking about what works for people. Some people say, I really would like to do something, but I don't know what to do. And that's something I'll say, well, here's the thing. You'd be surprised what you can give back to somebody. I'll ask them, so what, what was, how was your day? They'll say, well, I woke up this morning and I uh, I cooked breakfast. Whoa, wait, stop there. You cooked breakfast. You know I mean? People don't know how to cook. So you can start a program. <laughs> you understand? You can start a program to help people cook. Oh, wow. Then I woke up, I went to work. Where do you work at? I'm an accountant. You know how many people don't know about numbers? There's so many things you can help out. So again, it goes to, goes to each individual why. And a person who may not be good for this work may be, again, if you don't have patience. Patience, if you don't have much patience for people, not just the people you're helping, but the people you're working with, this yeah. may not be good work for you. And I think patience in general is something that we need to develop as a human being. Like if you have patience with your children, you may be able to have patience with other people's children. It's, it can be, yeah. you can work it out. So patience is probably right. a big virtue. If you don't have that, you may not want to be good for this, this work though. Right. Now, Steve Jobs, people talk about him and he obviously created a great company, but I think yeah. he's really the exception. He's not the rule. Yeah, true. There aren't many people who are as abrasive as Steve Jobs who create what he created. Yeah, I mean, cause, cause it comes down to you loving the journey. I was, I, I recently, this is, I'm not bragging when I say this, but I recently lost over 80 pounds. Here's the thing, it's really, it's the hardest thing I've had to do. I'm still working on it. I have, I will also wait, but I learned, I learned something through that. I relearned that I had to enjoy the journey. I had to enjoy running them little five miles in the morning. I had to enjoy the grind of me running with the shoes on or me picking up the weight because it's like it hurts, right? But the thing is, when you learn to enjoy that, that's when it all comes together. And that's when I think the patience comes in because you realize, okay, so I've dealt with kids that weren't very very cool with me at first because they never dealt with like a man in their life. And so I'm talking to them and they're like, they may say a curse word to me, curse me out, whatever. And I realize, you know what? We're going to get through this. I'll smile at them. It's like I enjoyed that moment, and then like a year later, there was a cool, cool people. We cool and we getting along because it's like sometimes it takes the time for us to stop 
and lean into the uncertainty. And that's what's uh, something that we can talk about with COVID. Like we're going through, a lot of people are going through a hard time right now, but if you can lean into what's, you don't know what's going on. You lean into that uncertainty of just not knowing what's tomorrow holds and just like, you know what? I'm going to enjoy even this darkness. I'm going to enjoy this moment and we're going to get out into the light, which makes you enjoy the light even more better because you understand, like, it's like being hungry. It's like, man, I'm hungry. But you know what? When I eat that meat, it's going to be so much better. Great, great, great advice. Well, Jeff, we're really out of time, but I got to ask you one last question. What's the best way for people to reach you? So my personal email is onesoundfoundation at gmail.com, which O-N-E-S-O-U-N-D foundation, F-O-U-N-D-A-T-I-O-N at gmail.com. Also, you can reach me at jhodges at imanicommunity.org. jhodges1, I'm sorry, jhodges1 at imanicommunity.org. Or you can uh, reach my sister, who is the queen of non for profit <laughs> She is amazing. I work with her um, every day. She's very smart. Which her email is drhodges at imanicommunity.org. Again, drhodges at imanicommunity.org. You can check us out on Facebook, Imani Development Corporation. Yeah, those are my main emails. You can connect me. Again, Foundation at gmail.com. Or uh, again, drhodges at imanicommunity.org. I am so inspired and want to say thank you again, Jeff, for being on the show this week. No problem, Dory. It was a treat having you. Thank you so much. Uh, Thank you guys for putting up with me, my rambling, but I really appreciate you guys listening. And uh, I thank you so much, Doris, because you are a gem to the entrepreneurial community. I'm looking forward to staying connected with you and um, this radio show. I wish you all the best. Thank you so much. That's our show for this week. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. And thanks again, especially to our guest today, Jeff Hodges, a serial entrepreneur and community advocate, the force behind several important community outreach activities in the city of Chicago and definitely doing good work and inspiring work every single day. Now, you can find more helpful information and resources on my website, globalocityservices.com where there's a library of blogs, tools, podcasts, and other resources for entrepreneurs. Now, be sure to join me next Saturday at noon Eastern, 11 a.m. Central, when we'll have another great guest. But until then, I'm Doris Nagel, wishing you happy entrepreneurship.